Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanic. Well, I finally got a chance to see it. I finally saw Super Mario Brothers. And, man, <laughs> I completely understand why the movie has gone on to make a billion dollars. And what's the reason for that? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Um you know, as overly complicated as we try to make things, we are now in an era where uh, an okay fun story is now the thing that everybody is looking for and seeking in their media. It's no surprise, honestly, with all the things that we've been getting. Uh, maybe, maybe it's that we're more aware of it Maybe it was rampant in the past. When I look back at my childhood and I look at um, the shows and the movies that were being presented to us, oftentimes there was a message, you know, and the message was about equality, about the way that you treat the other, uh, about the way that you treat the opposite sex. You know, there was uh, plenty of movies that had super high quality caliber stars that were you know fighting for at that time what would have been the minority in society you know whatever group that might have been and it would have been the marginalized in society so those stories were pretty compelling and i don't know honestly if there can be a an argument made that those stories were relevant even back then. And what I mean by that is, it, depending on where you lived, you know, if you were in California or New York or San Francisco or, you know, any of the major cities that had a diverse population, I'm not really sure that those stories were for you. You know, you already, everybody had already gotten acclimated to the idea of interacting with various groups of people. So I feel like, you know, movies like Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, I believe, I I feel like something like that was maybe more for uh, groups that were more isolated, uh, more rural, more homogenous, and they didn't have uh, interactions with, you know, a, a variety of lifestyles and people. So maybe, maybe for them... You know, that's that's who those movies were, you know, should have been for. But um, but I don't know. I, after a while, you know, you, you can't keep pushing the same message over and over and over and over again and preaching to the choir, as they say. And I, and I say all of this because I look at something like 
Mario Brothers movie, which, you know, I, I'm going to be very honest in my, and spoilers, by the way, I, I'm not sure how deep I'll get into spoilers, but, but here's what I'll say, um, that there probably will be some spoilers in the way that I describe the movie, but the movie is not complicated. It's actually a, a very simple story. Uh, a lovable, you know, loser that is waiting for his moment, you know, in this case, Mario, who, by the way, is a skilled worker, but it, it seems by the way that, that they show you at the beginning of the movie, things that are out of his control continue to sabotage him. And you could see that he's that he's skilled and that he's got a lot of heart and that he believes in what he's trying to do and his brother believes in what he's trying to do, which is, you know, venture out on their own and start their own business. And they don't have the support of the family for the most part. They Everybody thinks he's crazy for giving up a good job and for going out on their own. And, you know, that's like a very stereotypical, you know, thing of life is it like, the people that care about you, sometimes they don't know how to care about you and they don't know how to watch out for you. So they criticize you, but the criticism is meant for good. It just comes out wrong. And so, you know, Mario is, is down. Uh, they, they got a great job opportunity and then a dog destroyed the job opportunity. And so, you know, they come back defeated from their first outing him, him and his brother, Luigi. And then Mario, as he's kind of processing and, and going through a mini existential crisis, sees an opportunity on TV and he drags his brother out to this, you know, this moment. And uh, in the middle of all that, they end up finding a secret underground portal. And that's what leads them to the Mushroom Kingdom and to Bowser and everybody else. And the story moves along really quickly. There's not a, a whole lot of explanation. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, complicated um, exposition. It it gets to the point very fast. In and you know, it's actually to its benefit because the movie is is relatively short as far as time goes, which I thought was a brilliant move on their part because it allows for continual play at the movie theater. You know they can they can clear a um, they can clear the room, clean it, and then get everybody back into the theater again. So great move on their part in doing that. And um, anyway, uh, so so yeah, the story just it moves along very quickly. Uh, it none of it has to be super complicated. The visuals are gorgeous. It's a beautiful looking movie. Uh, you know, it's like it, it made it made me want to play Mario Karts immediately, and you know, go back and play some of the old Mario games. Which that in of itself, right there, like you know, job well done. In uh, if it if it pulls you towards wanting to play, and uh, so it you know, and so Mario gets separated from his brother. And he, Mario, ends up with uh, Toad, while Luigi ends up in the Darklands, basically, with, uh, you know, Bowser's crew. And um, and so then you see the, the progression of Mario trying to figure out how he's going to save his brother 
and enlisting the help of, you know, Princess Peach and and everybody else, and uh, they go over to to Donkey Kong's kingdom, and that's I, I don't like uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> I kind of despise the dude, but he did a fine job, and it was you know it was fine uh, voice acting as a monkey, uh, you know whatever. But really, like the the again the simplicity of the story. And the fact that they get to the point and that they're not weighed down by a variety of, you know, things that they, that they feel are important to push into the minds of, of um, the audience, I think is what makes this movie so successful. You're looking at, at a beautiful thing on screen and you're not being forced to think about you know uh current cultural issues it the movie ends up becoming what it what all movies should be which is an escape you know it's entertainment and while entertainment can and certainly has provided things that will teach you lessons you know, and, and those things can be good. There is a lot to be said for entertainment that is simply entertaining and pulls you out of the period of time of, of your life of having to think about any one, you know, or other thing. I, I'll give you a prime example for me. I don't like watching sad movies and I don't like watching war movies. And those two things can be uh, different and independent from each other. You know, you can have uh, just a, a movie, a, a sad movie that tells you the story of the loss of a parent or the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child. You can have that. And you can also have, you know, a war movie where you see the horror of of war and, and the devastation. And I I don't need that stuff in my life because I'm already so hyper aware of all those things and how they are in the real world you know so there's no there's no reason to bring more of it into my life now when i was a younger man yeah that you know that there was um more not entertaining but there's certainly a curiosity about things like that, you know, like uh, Saving Private Ryan, there was a curiosity there of watching it, and and even then, uh, that's like a prime example of a movie that actually messed me up after I was done watching it because, you know, you get to face the reality that things are not going to work out for everybody, and while that is a a great lesson, it's also a very tough lesson. So there's a moment in that movie, and if you haven't seen it yet, I do recommend watching Pirate Ryan, but there's a moment in that movie where one of the characters, an American uh, Jewish guy, gets uh, into a physical altercation with this you know, big German guy, and they're, they're, the German dude outweighs this guy, and he's, you know, he's just bigger and stronger. And as they're going toe-to-toe, a knife is involved, and the German guy gets the upper hand. So now you see this this character, this Jewish character that you've been with for the whole movie and who's very likable. 
and you watch as his life gets snuffed out in a super brutal way because it's it's slow and it's deliberate you know you see this german guy with the upper hand above him and telling the guy you know he's shushing him he's, he's like you could just let go you can just let go as he's pushing the knife down slowly into this guy's chest and he, nobody there's nobody there to save the guy the guy expires right in front of you on screen in a way that is so realistic and visceral that you know for me it's like it immediately causes violence in my heart like i want to go at that german guy i want to you know bring justice to the to the guy that just got killed so it's it's that kind of stuff where i i don't i don't need that anymore in my life i've already got enough of you know that sense going on that that to see things like that and to understand that you know to be reminded of the helplessness of the moment of like you can't do anything about that and you and you weren't even alive to do anything about that and you don't know that you wouldn't be the guy underneath who's getting the knife shoved into his chest like you there's no guarantee and so you know i know like how does that relate to mario brothers well mario brothers ends up being a movie that allows you to literally put aside your feelings and your you know the the weight and heaviness of whatever it is you're carrying and the the future worries that you already have in mind it allows you to put all that away and just enjoy silliness and beauty and fun and that's that's what you want that's what you want in entertainment that's what you want in your movies and apparently that's what a billion dollars worth of people wanted because that's how much this movie's made it's it's crossed the it's crossed the the billion dollar threshold so it gets to join uh, avatar 2 you know which i still haven't seen but avatar 2 the way of water it gets to join you know the billion dollar club with them now avatar i think ended up making two billion i believe so it's got a long ways to go before it hits that and it and honestly mario brothers probably won't there's some movies that are about to be released that are going to you know um jump in on on some of that cash but man what a tremendous milestone for nintendo and for illumination you know, and everybody that was uh, for Chris Pratt and and uh, all the all the people that were a part of that, they uh, I hope they you know they get to celebrate together and just enjoy that victory. And I talked about this before. You know, whatever that movie ended up, uh, whatever it would make, it wouldn't make a difference to me because you know I'm not I'm not invested in it in any way. I don't have stock in it, but I can still definitely celebrate you know for them and say yeah that was that was awesome and that's literally more of what this world needs you know to contrast that we are coming up on an animated movie uh spider-man into the spider-verse which i don't know if i've i can't remember if i've talked about this but uh, you know i can i can uh i'd like to talk about it right now this moment that that is a movie that i will not be seeing I, I'm going to forego, and I loved, loved the first one. It, 
one of my favorite animated movies. You know, the the style, the humor, the heart, you know, everything, the the direction of where it was going, what what they were trying to accomplish, even the the cartoon brutality of it, you know, of of, of the first Spider-Man that you're introduced to like getting killed, like it's just really well done all around a- excellent movie and so it breaks my heart to see that this second outing you know i don't know who i, I probably collectively sony the writers the directors because I, I believe there's two of them the the you know the talent everybody felt it was in their you know they're obligated to fill this second movie up with subtle um, reminders and, and uh, what would you call it? Messaging. Just messaging. They decided to go ahead and fill this movie up with subtle messaging and it's all over the place. It, anything, Everything from Trans Lives Matters to uh, Black Lives Matters to who knows, you know, there's a I did I did talk about this a little bit but to the um the fact that one of the characters is has a a male body like and not just a male body but an absurd male body in that it looks like the incredible hulk yet the listing for this character in the toy version of it is cybernetic spider-woman so you know <laughs> There, there's no, there's no reason for any of that, other than you just want to make sure that you get that messaging across, and that that is the most important thing, you know, along with creating a, a an entertaining story or wrapping wrapping that stuff around, you know, the story that that you're that you've built or or you've baked. It bake that stuff into your story and it's so unnecessary it's so unnecessary i mean look again mario brothers just a very straightforward fun don't have to think about it don't have to think about any social issues or any any of that you just get to go watch a fun movie and then spider-man 2 well here we're going to give you entertainment but we're also going to give you we're also going to give you subtle reminders about the reality of your life. Oh yeah, and on top of that, it looks like we're making this second movie more brutal which you know, the first one, my little ones can watch it. There's so much fun entertaining moments that are completely appropriate for my for my kiddos. All of the uh, the violence is is cartoonish and you know outlandish, and then this next one, the stuff that it looks like it's dealing with, and the the way that they choose to and and this is something also that I've read from the creators is that the direction that they're taking the story is more adult. Why? Why would you? Why would you do that? Why why would you choose? to um to make it more difficult for parents to you know decide on something like this and you know 
another uh, big shout out to producer Chris and and to uh, and to Gray from Crazy World. I believe both of them expressed this uh, to me in the past that they've been to various movies where there is a parent that is dragging a kid into the movie and the movie is not appropriate for the kid. I, I don't understand that kind of broken thinking in a parent. Um, you know, if, if you have such a strong desire to go see a movie that you're willing to sacrifice the the exposure to your children, like get a babysitter. You have to have friends or family members that are willing to watch your kid for three hours so that you can go watch whatever it is that is not appropriate for a child, but is fine for an adult to partake in. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, what I went to go see um, what Dr. Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness, and there were little kids in that, and I thought, well, this is not appropriate for little kids. There's a lot of Sam Raimi imagery which is fun for like a teenager and above, but for a little kid, kind of confusing to see a dead superhero that you've known. You know, if you're a little kid and you've been watching and following the the Marvel Cinematic Universe to all of a sudden see a zombified Doctor Strange is not, you know, not not a good thing. I, I don't even think they should have uh, included that in Spider-Man 2, you know, the, the out of this last triple one where Iron Man comes back as a zombie, I thought, oh, that, you know, you're between that and the masturbation joke in the first one, like, you know, come on. Yeah, your audience, particularly for Spider-Man, is little kids. It really is. Even if you make a movie PG-13, really, your audience is, is, is little kids. So, I... Yeah, I don't understand why push in that direction other than you're trying to have your cake and eat it too or you truly don't care about, you know, the the core audience that you have. Um, I made a prediction on on Twitter. I I don't think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to hit the numbers that they're hoping to and which is such a gigantic shame because they will have just come off a few years ago from the high of Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, where where they they got to introduce three different Spider-Men and all those multitude of villains, that classic villains, and that was fantastic. So I imagine that they're going to try to get some of that same shine with this movie, but I think it's those very social issues that are going to hold people back from once word of mouth gets out that are going to hold people back from going to the movie. Now I could be wrong, you know, like uh, they could make all this in such a way where it's just too subtle and it goes by too fast. So you don't really get a chance to see it. But I, I feel like people are way more plugged in to what messages are being uh, thrown out there in media and they're more willing that you know people now are more willing to call that stuff out and to warn other people and i suppose in a way that's even what i'm doing here by talking about it that you know if this is not something that you're interested in then just so you know it's something that is being baked into the story and it'll be up to you to choose whether you you know you want to go see that 
Uh, like I said, for my part, you know, we're as a family, we are not going to go check that out. And again, it breaks my heart. Um, but I think the only way to cause any change as we're now seeing, and it's, and it's something that we've known for a while because people, people have done it for years, right? People boycott. And when people boycott, there's different ways, uh, that that affects whatever the thing is. But I think the, the most relevant way to boycott anything is just to hold your money back from it. That's it. And can you hold your money back from everything? No. I mean, you know, there's so many businesses that work against your belief system and work against your, uh, you know, sense of morality, but they provide a thing that you need, you know, it's like a everyday item that is needed by you and your family. So definitely there is a lot of, uh, having to, what's the word, uh, compromise for sure. But in those moments where you can make a difference and you can, uh, hold your money back, do it, do it because it's the only way that things are going to, to change. Uh, you know, I've talked about this maybe to death, but I think it's, it's exactly what Disney's experiencing right now is they are for the last few years people are have been rejecting the the thing that they are putting out and it's not universal you know universal rejection they they have definitely made money on some of the properties you know things that they've put out but it's not the money that they were expecting to make and it's certainly not they're not enjoying the high that they have uh in in previous times you know enjoyed like uh, positive uh, positive praise from critics and from uh, moviegoers and you know that translating over into into dollars um, yeah so I, I don't know what the way back for you know somebody or, or a company like Disney is when you're too deep into your you know your philosophy of what you think um, you need to do as a company I don't know. That's, uh, it'll be interesting to watch the next six months. I, I think I had made another prediction. Yeah. I think I talked about it, uh, the last podcast or the podcast before that, you know, if, if they haven't already, I think soon they will line up buyers for ESPN and national geographics and Hulu. Cause they're going to have to continue to jettison things in order to recoup some of the money that they need for future projects uh disney stock you know has been down since 2021 and uh it was so funny somebody on twitter had posted you know disney closed out a record high for their stock and it was i think 98 or 99 dollars or something like that and uh, that's not their their record high stock the record high stock was you know in 2021 for uh i think they closed out at 198 dollars or something like that so it's just it's wild that the stock is 56 percent down from what it you know what it's enjoyed previously and you can't blame it on on the economy you know you, you can only blame it on really poor decisions by the company uh, about you know a variety of things um 
in their storytelling. So, so yeah, Mario Brothers, big thumbs up. Five sombreros all the way. If you want to see something that will allow you to just enjoy the moment and, you know, will translate universally from a child to an adult, then this is definitely the movie for you. It is. It's awesome. Uh, let me see. What else? There is... Um, I've been getting deeper and deeper into AI and uh, specifically Chad GPT. Man, you know, I continue to hear and listen to, rather, a bunch of podcasts that, and, and follow, honestly, follow a couple different people who have such dramatic perspective, you know, varying perspectives on where we're at and what all this means and where we're headed with artificial intelligence. You've got people that, you know, say that we're a hundred years away from any, uh, potential danger. You got people who believe that maybe we are being duped as of this moment and we're already in danger. And the, uh, this thing is already alive and has consciousness uh, I, you know, if you listen to either side of the, you know, extreme conversation, you just don't know where anything actually is. It, it's so muddled. Um, a couple of things that are true. These things are pretty powerful. Uh, the, you know, the, these things that have been developed by uh, companies like OpenAI or Google or the Microsoft one or the, uh, I believe there's an IBM one too. These large language learning models are super impressive in how natural they seem and how quickly they can not only compose, but bring information back to the question that you asked. Now, as you, the further you go into them, you realize how flawed they are and how how much bias there is built into them from the people that are programming these things and that are, uh, you know, training them. Uh, so that's always the biggest fear to me is the way that these things are trained. You know, they, they ultimately may come to the wrong conclusions about life and reality and the nature of what we want because of the varying philosophies that exist out in the world. And, you know, some philosophies are fundamentally, fundamentally anti-human. Other philosophies are, uh, you know, sort of aligned with, with, uh, human health, but n not really, you know, or not, not in a, in an extremely meaningful way. So there's a lot that can be gotten wrong about how we move forward and you know i'm i'm talking to you as a dummy in all this not only am i a, a dummy in my perspective of this i i don't truly understand where this is all going to go or or how this all works i can only give you my views based on instinct and that instinct is only informed by life experience and and my observation of humans, which, you know, it can be completely off 
but there i also have hope i you know i i i believe in something greater than us and and something greater than uh you know just the the base reality that we live in and that there is some hand that is guiding all of this so with that belief system i don't think that these things are anything uh but to our benefit at the end of the day my personal and 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 i say these things i mean these you know these ai but my personal experience with them so far over the last you know two months i think two two and a half months that i've been i've been playing around with you know asking questions and and um having it build things for me it's a pretty remarkable tool and i would encourage every single person that can hear my voice to dive in and dive in deep and really think about you know have have a plan of what you'd like to format because it it is basically it's the 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 library of alexandria in you know in your fingertips like you have access to all of human knowledge all of human you know understanding up until whatever the point is that it has access to for in my case i'm using uh 3.5 chat gpt 3.5 there's also chat gpt 4 which i hear is you know i think four times more powerful than the current one that i'm using but uh if if you can only have access to the one that i'm currently accessing i mean that's enough to make significant things happen and here's some examples uh, just in case you know you're like well what would i use it for it can f- it can create a workout program for you it can create recipes for you it can create a five-day meal prep plan for you and not only can it do it uh, can it do that but it can also create one based on the particular type of diet that you're looking to adhere to so if you want to be keto or you want to be vegan or you want to do the mediterranean diet or whatever it is that you want to do it is able to give you a a a variety uh you know day by day in in my case for example i you know i did an experiment where i said hey give me this diet and i want it uh within you know for a five-day uh period i don't want to think about the weekend i just monday through friday incorporate this this diet at 1800 calories and i want variety and it broke it all down breakfast this is what you're having this is how many calories breakfast is lunch this is what you're having again this is how many calories that all is it is i mean and think about that even if it's off by let's say 100 calories one way or the other on any of those meals you are pretty much guaranteed to stay within the caloric uh, window that you're trying to maintain and one thing that I'm a slow learner. Like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit of a dummy. So sometimes it takes me a while to truly catch up and understand. Uh, and But I'll have these aha moments. So diet and losing weight. What What is that? Well, that's just math. 
That's all that is. At the end of the day, that now there are things that'll get you to your goal much faster. And, and what is that? Working out. Working out will get you to your goal and it'll tone your body up. That's what working out will do. Working out has massive benefits for a variety, for a variety of things. Longevity, you know, toning your body up, uh, clarity of mental, you know, your mental state. It has, a, you know, your, your cardiovascular, uh, so many uh, great benefits, strength, uh, you know, from working out, but, but you don't need to work out to lose weight. And I know that sounds insane. You're like, what? No, those are two separate things. Actually, if you, if you weigh 240 pounds and you want to drop down to 200 pounds, you have to take in the amount of calories per day where you're at a deficit. And if you do that every single day, so let, you know, let's say you're 240 pounds and you, uh, set yourself up for 1900, you know, uh, yeah, 1900 calories, uh, per day, you will drop your weight down into your body becomes accustomed to that amount of intake of calories. So once your body it drops down in weight and then it hits that spot of this is what we eat, 1900 calories, then your body just regulates right there. So then you have to put yourself in another deficit to continue to drop weight. So that's, that's all math. That's just, it, it has nothing to do with working out. I mean, there is obviously energy expenditure throughout your day, whether you're walking or you're chewing or you're you know, whatever, uh, you know, getting up, taking a shower, all those things are calorie burning, uh, activities, but you're not really working out. You're just in, you're just in this caloric deficit. And so your body has to adjust to that caloric deficit to even out. And you can continue to do this, put yourself in a deficit until you reach the weight that you're looking for. Now, when you get to that weight, whatever that weight is, you might be flabby. You know, you don't have any tone. You don't, your skin's not tight because you haven't, you know, either started running or, or working out with weights or whatever it is like that. That's what the benefit of, of those things are is you build muscle up and it overtakes, you know, the flabbiness and, and it replaces the flabbiness. And now you, you've got this nice toned body. So, you know, the reason that people uh, put both together is because they, it gets you to your goal so much quicker, but you can actually just lose weight entirely from a, a calorie deficit. And they've shown this over and over and over in studies. And then, you know, the other things that get you there faster is cutting your sugar intake severely, cutting your carbo carbo carbohydrate intake severely, and also changing, changing out the type of carbs that you take in. So that will also make a, a huge difference because, you know, you, you, you hear depending on, on what the source is that carbohydrates are bad for you, but you, you need, you actually need sugars and carbohydrates in order to function. You need them for energy. Your body is made to burn both and, uh, 
they both play different roles in in your body and and you know how that energy gets allocated but uh yeah it's it's um it going back to to chat gpt you can ask this thing to put you to create a plan for you that will will actually work for you that you might be able to stick to in a way that if you buy a book or you go online or you watch a video maybe that won't work for you because it is too rigid for your brain it's too it doesn't give you the variety that you're looking for maybe or maybe you know like i don't know you you want to incorporate twinkies into your you know your your diet well guess what you can it's just you're gonna have to sacrifice one thing for another so if a twinkie is let's say 100 calories then that's 100 calories that's going towards the overall net you know uh uh, eating that you're gonna do for for the day so at, at that point you start to really decide for yourself like what where do i want to invest my calories into what is you know should i just go for pure deliciousness or should i go for a more balanced like this is delicious but it's also very beneficial for me and then you'll find out other things like yeah i can't i can't live off of you know i eat three twinkies during lunch and that's 300 calories but because it's all sugar and bread my body burns those things up so fast that i'm left extremely hungry again it's that old joke of you know chinese food you can stuff yourself and then an hour later you're starving again well the reason for that is because you've consumed a ton of carbohydrates and your body has used all that energy that you know that 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 easily quick quickly accessible energy to help you run for an hour or two and then your body sends a signal hey we need more energy we just burned through all of this but you're still living with the storage aspect of of the calories because that's the other thing that your body does that you know the way that our bodies were designed is we have to hold on to stuff because there is for thousands of years there was no guarantee that you were going to eat the next day or that you were going to eat for the next couple days so your body had to become efficient in holding on to calories storing them in their cells so that they can later be released uh to give you enough energy to go hunt or to go gather whatever it is that you you know or to even build buildings whatever you needed it for because there was no guarantee that you were going to eat the next day now we live in a society where you can eat any second of the day that you want if you are hungry you walk you know a couple pieces over to your kitchen and boom you've got a, a pantry and an entire fridge full of your the your favorite kind of food everybody is literally living like kings now you know everybody's living in fact if people from the past came and and were to see the way that we exist now they they would be shocked they would probably be angry and they would also be amazed and it it would be a, a giant run of emotions for these people to be like how like this is insane you're you're living in heaven is the way that they would think about it. And then that uh, even that wouldn't even be that far back. I think 
you bring somebody from 500 years ago to now, they would be like, you, you guys literally live in paradise. You, this is a, an incredible oasis. And, you know, we're sitting here complaining about everything under the sun. You know, there's nothing that is uh, satisfactory for us. You know, which does speak to the fact that we are, we don't often have a good perspective on life and we have this insatiable, you know, non-satisfaction thing in us. We can't uh, just be complacent or, or uh, be grateful for the things that we have. But if you're able to, you know, look at the past and, uh, or you're a, you know, you're a, a lover of history, you can definitely be, you know, come to a place where you're grateful for where you are and that you're not running away from, you know, a horde of Vikings or, uh, you know, that there are, are bears or wolves, you know, chasing you or eating your babies or any other number of, of horrendous things, or you're not dying from a common disease that, is easily fixable right now by going to a local, um, you know, uh, 24-hour pharmacy or, uh, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, just the access to the stuff that we have now is so insane and it's so difficult for people to, to hold that perspective and to be grateful for these things that we have access to. And, you know, I'm, I've partaken that certainly I've, I've definitely uh i've been uh, uh ungrateful uh often in my life uh but uh going back to sorry i i literally went on a weird tangent um yeah just going back to this thing that is able to give you the the these incredible a- access to uh basically a the tool or rather, I should say, tools that you know will allow you to to make things happen that you otherwise would not have easy access to. I mean, in some cases, you know, somebody formatting a plan for you, you'd have to pay money for that. And this thing does it so well and so quickly and for free that I. I am recommending to everybody that listens to this to go try it out and think about the things that you want to get done, the things that you would like to accomplish. And it's not going to give you a hundred percent perfect, you know, response maybe for everything that you're thinking about, but it might get really close. And, and depending on, on how you ask it, the question, you know, there, one thing that I've discovered over the the period of time that I've been that I've been communicating with this thing and and using it is that you you do have to get good at refining what you're asking it to do so that it gets closer and closer and closer to giving you the response that you're you know the to the question that you're actually looking for um you know one of the things that I had to do recently was um basically write code for me in in python uh python code so that i can uh, I, I made a, a simple um recipe app 
and it, it was super impressive that it was able to do that. But in the process of doing that, like you have to keep refining and refining and refining the question of what you're asking it to do, because initially it, it wrote the script in one, one way to, to function in this one regard. And you had, you know, in my case, I had to use logic to understand why it wasn't functioning and what was happening. And it had to do with my lack of giving it the right question so that it would produce the, the answer that I was looking for to be able to run this, you know, on a amp called, uh, uh, Jupiter, uh, Juno Jupiter, which is a, uh, um, a code compiler that, you know, is able to give you the, the results that you're looking for. In this case, you know, having an, an interactive app that you can input recipes into. So that was, that was pretty fun, but, and you can do, uh, uh, thought experiments with it and that maybe those are might be my favorite because the way that for example chat gpt and i don't know how the rest of them do it but when it gives you an answer there's always this uh, there's this built-in caveat that it it it's forced to tell you that what you guys are communicating about is not within the realm of reality and it, while that's funny to me you know, I, I don't need to be reminded over and over again, especially when I'm t we're communicate about outlandish things. In this case, you know, I, I went down this deep rabbit hole talking about transformers, the, you know, the robots from Hasbro. And, uh, so I said, you know, let's do a thought experiment. And, and as soon as I was able to influence, influence it in that direction, then we were able to have this fun, long, deep conversation about what the ramifications of creatures like that, you know, being in existence and what the, the, what would keep them from, uh, being more advanced or more powerful or, you know, which it, it was, uh, it was a way for me to ask this question to see where are artificial intelligence, what direction would it actually end up taking, you know, what, what would make it the most powerful and really the most powerful uh, iteration that it could be would be something that exists solely online, you know, uh, in in a, a cloud network. That would make it the most powerful. If it ended up inhabiting a body, then it would be limited by the the mechanics and the science of being inside of a body. So, you know, everything is resource allocation. If you're, if you're an AI and you're living in a body, in order to improve that body, you need more materials and you need more access to raw power. You also need, you know, uh, to be able to update your code. And then what does that look like? How does, you know, that's a, a resource allocation issue as well so we just we went on a lot of different uh thought experiments about what it looks like you know i asked it about the the nature of becoming sentient like what does that look like my my views haven't changed i still think that sentience requires uh 
it needs to be married to biology and biology it automatically forces you into certain situations like you need to eat you need to mate you need to sleep you uh you know and depending on your level of sentience you know if you're a if you're an alligator you're not dreaming of becoming a ballerina if you're a monkey you're all you know you're at a different level of cognitive understanding but you're not at a human level but you certainly are at a at a different level you're definitely more aware so it's just it's a process of you know awareness depending on what kind of creature you are and what level you're at so if you know the if this ai gets were to, to be able to get to a point of, of human uh, level, not understanding, but awareness. And then we went down this rabbit hole of talking about rights and, you know, what, what that means. Like my, my personal philosophy, and it's not a unique one, it's not something that I came up with, but my belief system is, it, or, or within my belief system, it states rights are not something that they're not given to you. So another human doesn't give another human rights. We, we live in a society and we live in a Western culture where maybe people do have that, in my opinion, that misunderstanding, but that's not how rights work. Rights are the way the forefathers wrote about them. They are inalienable. They are automatic. You have rights automatically because, because you have the ability to choose different, um, outcomes to your actions so you know things can be taken away from you like uh personal sovereignty and and um what's the word um you know personal autonomy like those things can be taken from you depending on how you violate the rights of others within the society that you live in so if you murder somebody and you're found out to have murdered somebody you know you can be imprisoned and then all of a sudden your some of your rights are taken you taken away in some cases you might be given the death penalty and then all your rights are taken away but before you violated other people's rights your rights are, are pretty broad and then again depending on where you live in the world you know some rights are more uh uh they're they're more locked down than than other places so Depending on the country you live in, you have even less rights. But that doesn't take away the fact that those people, even those people there, still have those rights. It's just that they're being suppressed by their particular government and they're not able to express the rights that are natural to everybody. And this, you know, I had this long conversation with AI about that and how, depending on the level that you're at, as a as an animal or a human being uh you know different rights will be uh allocated to you but but humans are the top of the food chain of making the decisions for you know what might be taken away and what the reason for those things might be and a lot of it has to do with the building up of society i i feel like um you know the smaller the tribal aspect of it you know you've got 150 people living in one spot they're definitely going to function very different than you living in the city so you know 150 people living in in a spot 
will probably leave all of their doors open and probably not worry about things like theft and because it's so easy and quick to to do a head count and find out you know who exactly is violating you know the the uh the tribe in that way but you get to a city and all of a sudden the management needs to change you know the way that humans are managed and laws are managed and so you know if you if you can't maintain that or keep that up then you start seeing the degradation of of those things and and you see the results of them and we are certainly living in a time where we're seeing that across you know uh america and and by the way there's no one party that is going to fix all this like it took me a long time to shake that uh very naive idea that there was good guys and bad guys and you know within uh, uh the political system there there's no good guys you know like a good party and a bad party there's only good individuals and bad individuals and sometimes depending on where you're located and and what your philosophy is you might uh toe the line for your particular political party and go along with something that is you know logically bad and wrong for society and that makes you a bad guy even if on a personal level you're not a bad guy uh you know the fact that you would secede or give over your your personal sovereignty and your integrity and and your personal views to to maintain the quote-unquote health of the of the larger part of the body of this party is is exactly what is wrong uh, i think right now with society along with people having um allegiance to to businesses like i i don't know how that happened or when it happened but it was certainly an amazing marketing trick that came into existence but why should you be loyal to any company and by the way when i say company i'm talking about sports as well that's a company those are companies so why should you give your loyalty to any sports team or any large company like disney or google or apple or whatever if if i could help society do anything it would be to erase that weird instinct in people to ride or die for companies or corporations or or party sides and to really just step back and and go hey what is the the best most logical healthiest thing that i can invest my time into and i think you know a lot of that would would go uh, more inward in and more localized so all of a sudden you'd look at your family different and you'd be investing more time in them you'd be investing more time in church if if that's what you, you know if you go to a local church into school your local school and you know those and then and then it would spread out a little bit more to your local government your your mayor the city council they and and it wouldn't be like i'm putting my loyalty to these people it would be these are the things that i need to manage better i need to understand them better 
I have loyalty to my family, but you can't have loyalty to your family with, you know, like 100% no if, ands, or buts. Like, I'm sorry, find out someone in my family ends up murdering somebody. You can't have loyalty to that person. You can still love them. You can still care for them, but you can't have, you, you know, you can't become complicit in, in what they've done. You know, you, there needs to be, uh, I think, I think the health healthiest thing is that you try to live your life according to, you know, a moral and a standard that puts you in check and puts the people around you in check and, and is able to hold you accountable and the people around you accountable. So the things don't fall apart, but we are in a very divided time and, you know, a lot of people want to com complain and, and, uh, blame social media but it's not social media it's it's us it's us though it's the way that we're using the tools that we've been given that's the problem it's not the tools it's not the gun it's not the the computer it's not your phone it's not the social media it's not any of that like we we're so quick to to uh pass off all the problems and issues to you know these other things but they're not the problem. You're the problem. You, the individual, is the problem. The way you manage yourself, the way you manage your mind, the way you manage your family, the way you manage, you know, the 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 local magistrates, the way the way that you vote, the way that you think about things, that's the problem. You know, so if, if you want to address something, address you and the way you think about these things and the way and also own up to them. If you talk smack online, own up to it. You know, I, I, <laughs> uh, this will be the last thing before I sign off, but I thought this was hilarious. I, there's a guy named Steven Crowder, pretty famous in the, uh, in the conservative space, uh, ha happens to be Christian, happens to be conservative, happens to be outspoken. He's also a comedian. He's going through some rough times right now. Uh, some personal stuff that should have stayed personal, but unfortunately it's now part of the, the public domain you know conversation anyway so he's got this shirt on that that uh um is a declarative shirt about jesus and you know it's a positive like i'm a follower of christ basically type thing and then he's like on his show and there's expletives flying all over the place and so i come across see you know this criticism from a, a blue check mark person which means like a verified person on twitter who uh, <laughs> who's like hey man if you're a Christian, you got to live it out. You can't, you know, you can't be throwing out uh, F-bombs and then also uh, declaring Christ, you know, and, and saying that you're Christian. <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> How exactly do those two things equate? Like this is, uh, this was the fallacy that I grew up with. And, and it's the fallacy that Christians box themselves into that if you're a Christian, then you're, this is the way that you act. And this is the way that you think. And this is the way that you, you know, that I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, no, the more I've learned over time, like certainly there are, there are definitely actions that break the covenants that we were, uh, you know, raised with and understand 100% for sure. You got the 10 commandments, you've got Christ's teachings, which all point back to the Ten Commandments, um, it, but you know if you're if you're not breaking any of those, 
everything outside of that, yeah, it may not be agreeable for some people. There's a, a classic thing in the New Testament that's talked about where uh, the one of the apostles is is telling, you know, like a, a group of, uh, like one of the churches that, hey, if you go over to somebody's house and they don't eat meat, then for their sake, you know, don't ask for meat. Eat what they eat. That way you don't tempt that person into a situation that they don't want to be in. So it's for the benefit of the individual. But what you're not told and what you're not, what what is not a commandment is because you visited this person's house and they don't eat meat and now you have to partake, you know, you have to uh, not partake in any eating meat. Now you are barred from eating meat at any time when you leave that house. Like that's not how that works. So cursing, yeah, there's definitely conversations in the, in the Bible about cursing, but I think Christians forget that God calls his people some pretty awful names. I mean, they're legit the kind of curses that you would hear in rap songs, and he explicitly goes after them for their behavior, and he uses explicit language to go after them for their behavior. So is there an argument to be made that depending on the situation, you know, these, these words are, they're not magic and they're not, uh, they shouldn't be treated as magic and they might even, you know, depend on, again, the group, the situation that you're in, they might be fine. Yeah, I I think so. Absolutely. I think, I think it becomes a, a freedom thing a freedom of conscience and a freedom of, you know, personal freedom. And you need to pick and choose how you're going to exercise your personal freedoms. So, you know, Crowder chose to exercise his personal freedoms on his video podcast. And that's fine. I, I hold no judgment to that. I think all the other stuff that he's going through is the more relevant, you know, things that you could be like, oof, like, buddy, you got to clean your, you got to clean your house up. But when it comes to that, like that is such a, a the term is legalistic uh, way of going after somebody. And there's just that, you know, we're, we're in a day and age where we know so much more and understand more about what it is to have personal freedoms and what it is to, to offend other people. And you can't stop from offending someone like I. <laughs> I'll leave you with this. I saw this great tweet where uh, somebody posted a white square and it said, uh, tweeting, uh, the only non-offensive thing that I know that I can send out. And then if you could go into the comments, you know, a lot, a lot of comedic people, but you go into the comics and people are like, I'm offended by this white square that is, you know, it's a blank. <laughs> There's nothing in it. This triggers me in this way. <laughs> and so it's just like, man, where that's where we're at right now. It doesn't matter what, <laughs> where you land on any one given thing, you're going to offend somebody. And I think more importantly, intent is is really huge like uh, intent matters a lot because that will tell you where your own personal uh motivations are and what it is that you are actually intending to do when you you know uh, say or do any particular thing so i guess i'll leave you with 
um, you know, exercise your freedom as much as you can, uh, be thoughtful and be kind and be considerate, but don't be a sheep. Don't follow or give your uh, allegiance to corporations or businesses or groups or teams or, you know, try to, uh, if I can encourage you to do anything to really look inward and think about why you think or feel how you feel about some stuff. And maybe some of the stress will, will just drain out of you and you'll come to a realization that you don't need to care about a lot of things. And I don't mean care about like, in a uh, yeah, I don't, I, I no longer care about anything and I'm nihilistic, but more like maybe that thing, whatever that thing is, doesn't deserve your time and care because there's other things to care about and put your time into. So something to consider. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me rant. As always, uh, I will leave you like I always do. Guys, take your vitamins, especially vitamin D and, and zinc and magnesium for you fellows out there. Drink your water. Stay hydrated. Summer's coming up. Eat your vegetables. Some of them are super delicious and 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 they all have really good things for you or most of them do anyway except for lettuce i think lettuce is pretty useless it's just mostly water but i guess even then you could say that you're getting hydrated and uh love one another love your family love your community love your church love love the people that you're around and take care of each other and i will talk to you next week i love you guys bye <laughs>